What's up, CrossFit Wilsonville? This is Coach Will. Um, it is Sunday. I think it's April 5th. Yes, it is. 2020, I have a special guest with me today. Before that, do a little intro for our one sponsor, which is Dr. K, who is located in uh, our building at CFW. If you're looking to optimize your health and nutrition, check out our sponsor, Dr. K. With Jim Call, Chiropractic and Functional Medicine. She was on the last podcast with me last week. Um, you can find her at jimcall.com. Um, you can use the code CFW10 and CFW10 and grab um, a copy of a 30-day reset she's doing. So check her out. Today I have my good buddy and my physical therapist, Josh Kidd. What's going on, Josh? Not much, man, except my wife just made me go for about a four-mile run, pushing a double bob with about 100 pounds of kids in it, <laughs> and I am not a runner. How many kids do you have now, Josh? <laughs> Three, and that's Three. it. That's that's the max limit. We were Mel and I were really good playing me and the man defense. We totally suck at zone defense. It's a circus. Oh, man. Um, three is a lot. I got one. My hands are full. Uh, let's see here. So uh, I've known Josh um, probably six, seven years. Um, I've been to Josh for rehabbing pretty much all of my injuries in that time. Uh, first thing that I went to him for was uh, some chronic back pain and back injury that I suffered while competing in CrossFit. Um, but I already had those issues there. Um with chronic stuff. Also, I've been through at least three, maybe four surgeries with Josh and uh, been able to rehab and get back stronger than ever on each of those. <clears throat> so Josh and I have a good relationship and I wanted to bring him on and have him talk about uh, what he does and how he actually helps me a lot at CrossFit Wilsonville. A lot of the stuff you see in the body armor, which is our midline stability um, and a lot of the uh, mobility or ROM stuff at the end, the cool down stuff is stuff that I've gotten from Josh. So anyway, I'm going to let Josh introduce himself and tell him how we met. Hi, Josh. Yeah. I would have to confirm that it will is definitely a mess. Not even as long as I have, yep. but he actually got it wrong. The, the first time we met, it's kind of an interesting story. Um, if you don't know me personally, not only do I, um, want to practice right up the road, but I'm also, I also teach a lot. And it's, you know, about six, seven years ago, I was teaching a course on back pain, and PTs and chiros and physicians attend the course, and one day after the first day, the next day a guy comes in, and he's wearing a CFW shirt on. I go, what's that? He goes, dude, it's a, it's a CrossFit box. It's like a half mile from your clinic. You've never been over there? I'm like, no, I've never been over there. <laughs> so, you know, this is a weekend course, and it comes around to be Monday, and I got some spare time, so I'm like, hey, I'm going to head over there and check it out. So I shoot right over, the, right over there, and I walk in, and I see this guy over in the corner around the rig and he's working with a bunch of young athletes and you know, I'm dressed in my routine PT apparel consists of a polo and, and some khaki pants. And you know, I think I'm a pretty important guy. So I'm sitting there and I'm making eye contact with him and he, he kind of looks at me, but he doesn't over. He's focused on his athletes, which, which I thought was at the time. I'm like, what, what the heck man. But when you think about it, it's kind of the coolest thing ever because you know, I could be a potential customer, but he's not worried about, it. he's worried about his people that are in the gym there. And so, about 30 minutes later, the class ends. I'm still hanging out over there. And he comes over there and he's like, oh, are you, you looking to potentially start a membership? you thinking about CrossFit? And I'm like, no, I'm actually, I'm a PT. First thing he says <laughs> right after that was like, I hate PTs. <laughs> and I'm like, rope, rope. I'm like, well, let's have a conversation about that. And he goes, 
two things I hate about PTs. He says, one, they always say cross is bad for you. And two, they say if you hurt, you need to stop doing everything and rest, which I totally agree with them. I think CrossFit is a great avenue for health and fitness, and I think rest is actually one of the worst things you can do when you have an injury. And, you know, we'll probably dive into that a bit later. But uh, So that was my first interaction. And then it was, it was a few months later. Uh, I'm, in a, I'm in the clinic. It's early in the morning, and I got a new eval on my case. And I look, and it says, Will. And I'm like, oh, interesting. I walk out to the lobby. <laughs> guess, guess who's sitting in my lobby, Mr. I hate PT. Yep. And I'm like, hey, Will, how you doing, buddy? And uh, no, seriously, from there, it's been a, we've got a, we've got a great relationship. It's, it's been a lot of fun. He's, he's a good friend. And, and obviously, it took, took me a while. And I'm, uh, now I'm a, I'm a frequent frequent member over there. I'm, I'm usually the guy in the noon class complaining about everything and anything that I can. <laughs> Just because it's fun for me and it's how it motivates me. So uh, that's actually how we met the first time. Yeah. Uh, a, a little bit about me is uh, uh, I've been practicing PT now for about 12 years. I've got a doctor in physical therapy and uh, quite a few other uh, postgraduate certifications. I'm, I'm board certified in orthopedics. I'm a fellow through the American Academy of Orthopedics and Manual Therapy. I'm a strength conditioning guy. And then I think my, my original movement background came. Um, through the kettlebells, so I'm a, I'm a yeah. strong first kettlebell instructor, which, which I think is really how we implement PT and and how we basically bridge the gap between rehab, wellness, and performance. Because mm-hmm. I think there's a there's a three stages in through that how we progress people through. Because I think Will's absolutely right. I think a lot of times PTs have this misnomer based on what they think is right for people, not what is actually right for people, and and they do these single joint movements that. That don't do a lot, you know. You can't pull on a yellow band and until so tell somebody, okay, your shoulder's free, pulling on five pounds. Now go smash 150 pounds over your head multiple reps. It just it doesn't work that way. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I think we try to do things a little bit differently from a function forward once they have the requisites down. So that's that's a long-winded answer, but there you have it. Perfect. So let's let's talk about like how we can um, merge CrossFit and physical therapy and how how that relates to each other. So the, the two terms that come to me are functional movements. We preach functional movements in CrossFit um, in the uh, movements we do, the exercises we do, and then the full range of motion of the joint. I mean, that is um, something that is emphasized in all of our um, coaches' educational training is uh, getting each athlete to that full range of motion of the joint. So how, how, do, how does PT and CrossFit kind of merge in, in those two things? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, when you talk I think there's two real prerequisites that require you to have that full requisite motion. One of them is mobility. you got to have the joint mobility to get that joint where it needs to be, in that position it has to be. But to get there, you also need stability. You know, and the example I like to give people is, you know, if you try to say you do a squat, right, and you just can't get down to the bottom of your squat, and something's going yeah. on, right? Well, if you can lie on your back and pull your knees up to your chest, drive your toes up as you do that, you probably have the requisite mobility to do it, yeah. but you don't have the stability. So without those two pieces together, you don't have the full range of motion, right? So it's mobility and stability that give you the range of motion, right? So then it's like touching your toes, right? If I can bend over and stand and touch my toes, I should be able to long sit and be able to touch my toes. Yeah. And if I can't touch them in the long sitting, there's a stability problem there. There's something in my core that's not engaging to allow that movement to happen. Yeah, right? exactly. And so, you know, you address those things, 
in the beginning, which a lot of people can do on their own. It's a lot of, Will and I have had this conversation a ton. These are easy things that people can do. The problem is everybody overcomplicates what stability and mobility is, or they just don't put enough attention into it. Mm-hmm. And then once they accomplish that, then you add focus on movement, right? Then you get to get that joint into its positions. The problem is, though, is I think a lot of times, too, if people don't lack stability, if they don't have stability, excuse me, and they lack it, what they'll use to compensate for is speed. Mm. Right, so if I can't do something well, I'll do it quickly. Yep. Right, and you see that a lot with like a single leg deadlift or any single leg movements or run. If I can't control all movements, all positions of that movement, I'm just going to go as fast as I can. Which there's places to go fast in your movements, especially in competition. But there's also times you really need to scale it back and go slow. Right, and and I think people think, well, if I'm not going fast, I'm not getting workout. I, I guarantee you right now, if you take a kettlebell and you do a Turkish get up and you pause mm-hmm. at five seconds in each stage or you do a lot with it, you're going to be smoked and it's going to be so good for you, right? And it's a good recovery drill. So it's it's about making, again, I, think, I mean, head hammers home again, but it's about having mobility and stability and then pushing that that functional requisite motion. And then once you have that requisite functional movement, then you have load. Yeah, you know? so exactly. break it down on its simplest form, that's, that's the paradigm, right? Yep. And that's what's fun. That's what's fun from a rehab to a to a wellness, to a performance and programming standpoint. Absolutely. It's so important, the mobility and stability point. And then it's, it's tough. It's probably, it's probably the same thing in PT, but it's tough for us when we have our clients come in and they want to load up the bar. They want to swing the heavier kettlebell. You know, they want to use the heavier dumbbell when we try to um, get them time, um, build up the core, build up the stability, and also assess them and make sure they have the mobility to be safe in those movements before they add the intensity, which is the load. Right. Um, so I mean, it's so important, but how do you get that through to people? I think, I think, you know, part of it is we use so many analogies. I tell people, yeah. it's like, okay, if I were going to tell you, I'll pay you 500 bucks. If you can deadlift 150 pounds, right. And say, that's your peak top. Are you going to be better pulling off a firm, solid surface on the ground? Or if I threw it up on your bed mattress and said, try to pull, try to deadlift it from there, <laughs> right? If you, you put it on an unstable surface, you know, but again, people, they, they have to understand that the reason why you're doing it, right? Because so many people mm-hmm. just throw stuff in the program and it's like, well, what, what, why am I doing this? Right. And so yep. we, we show them, you know, especially with, with athletes, you know, cause I see, I treat a ton of athletes, I treat a lot, ton of Olympic lifters and I will put them in a position where. I know they're probably going to fail or be extremely smoked. Right. And it's not going to be a lot of weight. And I just say, hey, look at this. I mean, look how exhausted you are. I'm going to throw one in the bus, actually. I'm, I'm not breaking hip anymore because a good friend of mine. You know, I'll tell you this, but <laughs> when Dave was coming in for a shoulder, <laughs> yeah. I, gave him, I gave him a freaking, in the beginning, was like a 25-pound kettlebell. Yeah. And I made him do a ladder with it, and he couldn't finish it. And he'll tell you this. But then he said, hey, Dave, I mean, look at that stability you have overhead right now. And you've always, he did it on the other side. It was the same. And I'm yeah. like, if you can get more stability overhead, you're an overhead athlete. If you can own that position, think of how much better, how much more efficient you're going to be. What about efficiency, right? If you're in a competition, you want to be the most efficient as you can. And if you're having to use all these accessory movements and muscles to complete the task, you're going to get smoked, right? Yep. And so, you know, uh, it's it's about those those analogies, right, um, that we try to use and showing the people uh, through rehab. You know, and, and like I said, I like to put a person in an environment. It depends on the person. 
you know, if, it, if it's you will, you know, I like to put you in one where you like to struggle oh, yeah. and, and fail a bit and then I snicker a bit and then you try to <clears> tell me to do <throat> it and then I fail too and then we have a good laugh about it. Um, or just the value of, you know, it's like you think about your older athletes, it's about, you know, hip hinge. You've got to be able to own and dominate a hip hinge in my mind. Absolutely. You know, it's such an efficient movement and it's a functional movement. If you're gardening, if you pick up your kids, you're taking the cat litter on the back or if you're deadlifting and snatching heavy weight, same movement. Mm-hmm. But it translates to so many different things, right? Yep. It's, yeah. it's so important. I think just one thing I want, I, I want to touch on that kind of came to my mind as you're talking about that, cause you're talking about Dave, but, um, I think a lot of athletes think after injury, um, like they're hamstrung now they're, they, they can never get back to where they're at. I'm telling you right now with working with you on what we're talking about right here is the mobility and stability of the joints. I've torn my labrum meniscus tear, you know, the, the lower back injuries I've had, um, elbow surgery too. I snatch and clean and jerk almost the same amount at 36 years old than I did at 27 years old when I was in peak condition and going to CrossFit regionals. So it, it's, it's not, um, you know, it's a misnomer to think that injuries are, are going to hamper you the rest of your life. It shouldn't be like that, right? It shouldn't no, it be shouldn't like that. Be, you know, I think one thing is, you know, I, you know, when I sit down with anybody and they've had an injury or, or the surgery, right? The injury is easy. I'm like, you know, okay, the joints, the joints are ticked off right now, right? Right. We're going to leave that alone. We're going to recover. There's so many other things you can do. Let's first figure out, okay, why is that joint injured? Usually the joint is, is not the culprit. The joint's the victim, right? Right. Something else caused that joint to break down, especially the shoulders and elbow, it's a knee. There's something else that's caused that, and that's just the weakest link. It's a mobile, it's a mobile joint, so it breaks down, right? Um, so we, we we really try to dive that and identify that, and then you know on the other token, you know, you know this too. It's like with with surgery, it's your post op. Now there's certain things we can do, and there's certain things we can't because we have guidelines from the surgeon, or we have to respect the healing process. Right. But I look at it, I'm like, okay, this is your opportunity right now. This is your opportunity to work on everything else that you've neglected because you haven't found value in it. And we're going to focus on those things. And on the tail end, you're going to find that you're going to be so much better now because yep. you've addressed all those weak links, all those those areas that are sucking energy and causing more inefficiencies, right? Um, to break down is so important. I mean, it's – but we all get there. I mean, I, I, I've fallen that funk too until I get hurt, you know. I'm like, okay, now I should do this other stuff. Which, yep. which, is, which is what's cool to see what you've done, you know, taking back over the programming, putting in those other things. Uh, I especially liked the bicep curls on the workout <laughs> last Monday. You could ask me, I was repping them. <laughs> um, but no, it, it's great. And, and my thing was too, was like, I was always like, oh, I don't have time for that. Yeah. Right? Like, I'm like, I only got 45 minutes, 50 minutes, and I got a, I got a jet. And I've been doing it more, and I'll tell you what, I feel different, man. So I think it's, I think it's good. And, and making it a priority is key. Absolutely. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about common injuries, chronic pain, uh, that we see in our athletes and probably in your patients too. Um, probably the number one thing that, that we see pre-existing, um, chronic pain injuries that come through the door or lower back pain. Um, you guys experience the same type of thing. And then what do you do for those people? What is the cause of that? Um, especially with our lifestyles nowadays. Yeah, I think you, especially yeah, low back pain is the number one thing we see. It's about about 50% of the cases walking through. So you think about every other patient who comes in, it's got a low back pain problem. And I think you hit the nail on the head. It's a lifestyle thing. Uh, I mean, if we, if, if I were to see you right now, uh, 
my guess is you're probably sitting in a chair at your desk, bent over a computer, and no microphone right now. So you're, mm-hmm. you're flexed, your back's rounded, you're in crappy posture, right? You think about the average person, what do we do? We, we get up in the morning, right? We, most people get up in the morning, got to go to the bathroom, right? You take your smartphone in the bathroom, you sit on the toilet, you're flexed, you're rounded for way too long. You get out of the bathroom, you shave, you brush your teeth, you flex over the counter, you're sitting, eating your breakfast, or you're jumping in the car, right? Mm-hmm. So you're, you're rounding and flexing and flexing, and then you get to work, and it's the same thing, right? All day, we sit and we flex, and it's no wonder that the prevalence of low back pain and the cost for managing low back pain is increasing exponentially. I mean, it's... Right now, musculoskeletal care is number one spend um, in healthcare. So mm-hmm. more than cancer, more than heart disease. If you break out low back pain itself, it's number four. I yeah. mean, it's, it's so much money we spend on it. And it's funny because what we used to think taught injured backs are wrong. I mean, you think about 40 years ago, 50 years ago, the, the workforce, what did we do? We, we were in factories. We were laborers, right? We were picking up things, bending, twisting, lifting, moving, right? What do we do now? We, we all sit in cubicles right yeah. or we sit in cars because everybody's in sales or whatnot and, you know, and we flex all day. Um, you know, there's a study that was done in 2014. So I'm a, I'm a big researcher. Um, it was done by Roman colleagues publishing Spine Journal. And what they did was they looked at how many times the normal person rounded their spine every day. You have any idea? It's, it's 4,400 times a day that Holy we flex smart. our spine every day. So if, if you want to conduct a little experiment, just take your finger and bend it back 4,400 times every day and tell me when it starts hurting. Yeah, it's, no it's kidding. Crazy, right? so, so we're constantly in these flex positions. And what do we do? We, we flex all day, and then a couple times we, we go for a run or we, we try to arch back the other way. So let me back up, actually. If we flex all day, we start to get ache in our back, right? Like, oh, my back's just my back's sore. What do we normally do? We start to stretch, stretch our hamstrings. We start to stretch our back, start to and use our chest. The exact same thing that usually caused the pain, right? So it's 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 like everything in life. It's about balance and equilibrium, right? I always tell people, you know, if you're gonna be bending forward that much, you gotta bend back just as much. You know, you and I have had these conversations. I mean, you you have a job where you're flexible, and you are yeah. in static flexion, right? You are in that high um, cat, high risk category for back pain. People yep. who sit and people who flex all day, especially sitting and vibrating, which is a car. Those are the people. That, that have higher prevalence of back pain, right? And so what we look at is, you know, what's the cost? And nine times out of ten, actually it's about two-thirds of people, usually it's deflection, they need balance. They need to extend in the opposite direction um, for, for low back. So that's my that's my soapbox on, on, on back pain. But the cool part is, is, you know, a lot of times people, movement is better. And if you think about, if you think about yourself, you have back pain right now, just say, do I feel better when I'm sitting or do I feel better when I'm walking around? Yeah. A lot of people feel better when they're moving. And that's why I'm like, the worst thing you can do is rest. You need to get up. You need to move. But you need the appropriate movement for this point in time. You know, it's like a, um, if you have a cut knuckle, does it make sense to keep flexing the knuckle? Mm-hmm. Um, you're just going to let it calm down for a bit, let that tissue heal. Once it's healed, then you can go and start bending again. And so, you know, really identifying what movement is and then just move the opposite way. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that makes sense to me. So just real quick. Why is flexion so bad for the spine? <laughs> so, so there's a lot of debate about this because there's studies that show it's bad for the spine. There's studies that actually show it's, it's good for the spine. Um, when you look at what it does, and so I will, I will preface studies that are based on people who don't have a significant amount of degenerative changes in your spine. Right. When you flex forward, you put basically you, you 
cause compression in the discs in your back. Right. And also, which, which causes a posterior pressure on the disc. You also put a lot of stress on the interspinous, supraspinous ligaments, um, the ligament, ligament flavum. So there's a lot of other structures in that area yeah. that are under a ton of stress. And it comes back to that tissue can take so much stress, but if you keep loading it up, tissue's going to break down. Yeah. I mean, tissue can only stand so much repetitive load without having time for recovery. Again, go back to bending that finger. Bend it back and see how many times it does before you do it before it starts bothering you. And so, but I will say, there's some people actually who love flexion and respond really well. I mean, you look at, I've had patients who are heavy power lifters, and they've actually needed a loaded Jefferson curl. So that's a, a Jefferson curl where they're basically off the box and they're rounding your spine right. to feel better. And so, uh, when you look at the demographics, it's usually about two-thirds of people need extension. Mm, yeah. And that other one-third needs a different movement for their spine. Right? Gotcha. Yeah. Perfect. So let's move on to shoulders. Yeah. Are we looking at uh, the same uh, type of causes as far as lifestyle and shoulders too? And then what kind of shoulder injuries? And we see a lot of impingement injuries is what we see. Not necessarily, you know, labrums, rotator cuffs, things like that. We see impingement. Yep. Yep. This comes back to, and actually I'll say, you know, when you look at the research, it's funny, like, what you know, uh, what was it like the, the uh, National Strength Conditioning Association a few years ago came out and put this huge, I mean, you're, you're probably familiar with this huge paper, this huge groundbreaking paper that CrossFit injuries, there's more injuries across than anything else. And then actually, mm-hmm. uh, they now are paying hundreds, I think it's like 60 or $90 million yep. to CrossFit Inc. because they fabricated the data, yep. which is kind of interesting. Uh, but more people get injured running. Like if you look yeah, at no kidding. studies, like... 12 people per every thousand get injured running. When you look at CrossFit, the biggest the biggest injury you're going to see is going to be a shoulder. Yeah. And it's it's a quarter of that three. Three people for every thousand, right? Yep. Um, get injured. So, so I will preface that you know, injury rates in CrossFit are actually quite lower than most people believe. And I think that's just been because, I don't know, I don't know why people are all bent out of shape about picking up and putting down heavy things. It doesn't make sense to me. But, no, um, Absolutely. But shoulders, shoulders are come back to really, I think the shoulder is more of a, a victim than a culprit, right? And yeah. so it is, it, it does come back to that lifestyle. And, you know, if you're sitting there listening right now, here's a simple test. Take your um, head, stick it all the way out forward like a chicken, right? And then take your shoulder, keeping your head out there and try to raise it over your head. Yeah. Now set up as tall as you can, pull your chin back and raise it over your head. And I bet you you went farther and it felt a lot better the second way. Right? Yeah. And what we did there is we changed the position of your head and the position of your thoracic spine. And when you're talking about shoulder impingement problems, if you look at the biomechanics of the shoulder, about 20% of that movement in your, for your shoulder to get overhead is actually going to come from your thoracic spine and your cervical spine and your neck. Your neck and your back. Right? Yep. And so, again, it comes back to the tangent I went off about the low back. When we put our low back in that rounded position, everything else goes in that same position. And so when you constantly do that, stuff tightens up. And when you try to snatch, when you try to kip, when you try to do anything that requires your arm overhead or even more motion, if your T-spine won't go there, you're going to force your shoulder to go there. And mm-hmm. it's going to do it a few times, but you keep ticking it off, and it's going to it's going to shut you down. Yep. And, and if you continue to do that, then you'll start tearing some stuff up, right? But it starts off with an impingement. Um, and it's usually due to tightness in your T-spine or tightness in the posterior capsule of the shoulder, right? Which are two very, very easy things to fix. Um, as long as people put the time in. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> um, let's go to knee and hip. I think they probably, you might agree, they, they're they kind of, um, they're, they're very connected with symptoms in knee and hip. And probably, I'm going to guess, 
that most of the time this comes from the spine as well. Yeah, it's funny. Um, I recently, so I'm a, I'm a, again, many hats, I'm a researcher as well. Um, and last September, I was one of the main research on a study that we looked at. And actually, I wrote a little article about it um, looking at knee and, and hip pain that we, we had about 369 patients and we published it in the Journal of Manual Manipulative Therapy. And what we found was actually people that had um, uh, hip pain, like mm-hmm. isolated hip pain, like anterior, you're thinking like it's a label issue, um, not posterior pain, yeah. but more, more in that groin area, actually was spine-related, 72%. Yeah. So three-fourths of people, there's something usually going on in their back. And then me, we found, uh, I got to number my numbers, but I think it was about 29%. And, and I'm going to probably break HIPAA, but you'll be cool. You'll be cool with it. But uh, yeah. we found this with Will one time. You know, he had pain in his knee. And we're yep. like, I'm like working on his knee for three visits and it's not changing. I'm like, what the heck's going on? And I'm like, wait a minute, you did it. We took a look at his back and he's like, dude, that's changing my knee. And I'm like, no, it's not. He's yep. like, it's changing my knee. And I was like, okay, let's go with it, right? Um, but a lot of time, yeah, it's, 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 there's a huge referral from there, right? Um, but also it's, it's, it's again, the knee, I think the knee is kind of like the shoulder tends to be a victim again, a little bit mobile joints tend to be that way right. because your big stable joints, they do it. They, they stiffen up, right. And, and stiffness in those joints and your back or in your hip, if you don't have the movement, your knee, you're going to put your knee in a position to, uh, where it has, it has to go to complete the required task yeah. over time. If it's not right, it's going to break down. Yeah, so so a, a great example of that is uh, what we call the valgus knee or the knees that are caving in, right, for that squat. Like it, it's it's compensating for um, a mobility or a stability issue, um, most likely in the core of the spine, right? And so that's that we see that a lot with with the squat, of course. Um, so I just want to real quick, we got about four more minutes. Um, again, going back to what you you said in the beginning when, when I told you there's two things I hate about PTs. One of those things is, um, basically when s- my experience, uh, a lot of the times in the past was I, I would go to a PT and they would tell me, um, well, don't lift, uh, basically don't do anything, just rest and come and do my exercises, uh, at my clinic for, you know, 30 minutes a day or whatever it is. Is it the research showing us that, especially with spinal injuries, um, I shouldn't say injuries, but chronic pain, um, spinal issues, um, we need to learn how to, I guess, lift correctly and we need to lift, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think with, with injuries, I mean, the worst advice you can give somebody any, with anything these days, it's showing, it's showing all this rest. Rest. I mean, you even think post-operatively. Post-operatively, people used to be on bed rest for two weeks. Now, now PTs are going to give them up that same day and move it up. Because yes. rest is the worst thing for you. I mean, when you look at, even when you look at non-injured people, um, you, um, professional soccer players, European leagues, they've studied them. And what they've shown is that they have this short off-season, right? It's like a, it's like a month, right? Yeah. And the ones who rest for three weeks of that <laughs> month are significantly at a higher risk for injury when yeah. they start back up the season versus those people who keep going. And now we're seeing in baseball too. They're like, oh, you need off-season rest your arm. And find that the athletes who actually don't rest the arm and do auxiliary work, do other work, are actually far better off than those who don't. Um, you know, you're leading tendon experts when we see overuse problems. We're finding if you rest for more than 72 hours, um, the tissue starts to degrade, right? It starts to break down. Yeah. So resting is, is the worst thing for you. The body needs load and the body needs stimulus. And especially as we age, as we get older, 
you need to load the tissue. And I would say females more than males, to be honest, but males too. I mean, people, people need to load tissue and pick up and put down heavy things and work the joint through their available motion that they have and continue to work on that. I'm so glad you brought that up because it's one of the things that I point out to um, our athletes that are, that are getting a little older <clears throat> is that think about it. The number one thing that you that you're it's going to happen to lose your independence the older you get is you can't you can't lift anything you can't get yourself off the ground you have to have someone come over to get your groceries and to to move stuff for you at home you want to be able to <clears throat> keep that independence and that strength for as long as possible and and we're not talking about we're talking about res- responsible um, fitness here we're not talking about you know, going outside your abilities or anything like that. We're talking about being responsible and that's why, you know, our two industries um, merge very well because CrossFit uh, teaches that and, and so does responsible physical therapy as well. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. All right. We got one more minute. Anything else you want to add? It's your uh, chance. It's your chance, Josh. <laughs> that's really all. Pick up and put down heavy things. That's, that's the goal in life, right? Yeah. Pick up and put down heavy things and support your local box, man. I mean, they're doing an awesome job right now. Thank you. I've been jumping on classes. I'm still whining, complaining, but now they're keeping me, which I don't like. Uh, I'm to find a way around that mute button, but still, everybody keep keep showing up, keep moving, keep living, man. Yeah, and I'm throwing in the kettlebell stuff as much as possible. I know. I just in the back of my mind, I'm like, I got to keep Josh happy. I got to give him a couple kettlebells. I was there. Hey, you threw that one Wednesday. I was there, man. I was ready. We got another one coming up this week, so. All right. Well, we'll have Josh on again uh, for another podcast eventually. We could probably talk forever, um, but we're going to cut it off now. And we appreciate him um, joining us today. And check him out. Talk to him if you're in a class with him. Um, I'm sure he'll answer your questions or have a chat with you. Thanks, Josh, for joining us. And we'll see you next time. Sleep up. Sounds great.